Let's face it, we frontliners see the absolute worst of humanity more than we may like, definitely a lot more than the general population. And while I can certainly appreciate heading to the local, off-shift friendly drinking establishment after a particularly difficult night, I'd much rather cope with finding whatever humor I can in a bad situation. Trust me, it's better than having to call my adult daughter to pick me up from a bar at 9 o'clock in the morning because I can't, uh, find my keys. My name is Jennifer Cosgrove, and I've been a night shift nurse for close to two decades. I created Overnight Observations to not just celebrate and share the often extremely dark sense of humor many of us possess, but to really dig in and chat about how allowing ourselves to find levity in serious situations not only helps us cope in the moment, it's also been scientifically proven to be beneficial to our overall mental health and physical well-being. So grab a cup of lukewarm coffee and a cold slice of pizza, sit back and relax, but not too much, you'll get us all in trouble, and just observe. Hello there. Welcome to another exciting episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. Jen here. How's it going? I don't know where you live in the country or in the world, but it's been raining here like it's late spring and it's the end of July. Crazy, crazy weather. I can't complain too much because it's nice to be able to come home in the dark and sleep. That doesn't happen very often in the summertime. When you're a night shifter, you come home in the summer, it gets hot, it gets bright no matter what you do. And this this weather has been really, really nice. Actually, it's been a nice break. Wherever you are, I hope you're comfortable. I hope you're happy. I hope you're getting your sleep and eating right and exercising and all that good stuff. I have to say that because I'm a nurse. And if I say it enough, maybe I'll do it myself. A few friends from nursing school and I were talking fairly recently. And, you know, we were talking about typical life stuff. Kids, grandkids, husbands, ex-husbands, wives, ex-wives, all of that good stuff. And we started, of course, as usual, reminiscing about nursing school and just some of the goofy stuff that that would happen that we won't forget for a long time. I know I've talked about this a little bit already in some of the earlier episodes, but one of the most memorable, I think, of the lecture series that we dealt with came our last, I believe it was our last semester, and we were all burnt out and just ready to quit every other day. This particular series was on the reproductive system and all of the things that could go wrong. And it came at a time, you know, toward the end of the year, we had two full clinicals. So two full days. We had lectures and class time, actually, on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday were two full clinical days. We had to be at the hospital, I don't know, any time between 6 and 7 a.m. We were on the floor before 8 o'clock finished up about two or three, and then met up with our instructor to kind of go over the day and formulate the plan for the next day, if it was Wednesday, and do the same thing on Thursday. So by the time Friday rolled around, that was kind of considered a half day, I guess. I think we were in lectures pretty much from 9 a.m. until 1 or 2 p.m. I remember that because I, I worked on Friday's 3 to 11 shift. Again, this particular bunch of lectures after a full week of just really intense stuff. By the time Friday came around, after working two days and on the med surge floors and then ICU, CCU, we're mentally and physically and, let's face it, emotionally exhausted. And we just wanted to just sit back, listen, take some notes. Great. So 
Long story short, within those few hours that we had, between the guest speakers that came in who had had mastectomies, total hysterectomies, prostate removal, contracted HIV from a new boyfriend, uh, the first guy she dated after her, husband passed away, and the lectures after all of that fun, happy stuff were all about every problem and disease of the male and female reproductive system known to man. A couple short breaks, half an hour for lunch, and right back at it. I remember, and my friends agreed with this, leaving that classroom a little after two o'clock, firmly believing not only that I had every single solitary disease that was talked about that day, but I also had a prostate. Oh yeah, the signs, the symptoms, everything. It's like, oh my God, I have a prostate. And some of the guys were complaining of cramping and (laughs) headaches. And we were serious about it. We weren't being flip or funny or making fun of things like nursing students tend to do, especially the right side of the room in my graduating class. That was the bane of a couple of the instructors in existence. But we thought we had everything because we're like, yeah, yeah, I had that. Okay, I, I felt that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm dying. I'll be dead before I graduate. And we didn't have the internet as we know it today. This was back in 1998. So websites and computer information wasn't really easily available. You still had to go to the library or ask your primary care physician for any kind of information. So a little bit different than it is today. And honestly, one of my favorite things about the computer age is the creation of memes. You ever see a healthcare or nursing or first responder meme and totally relate to it and just start giggling and have people kind of look at you funny? We, we tend to do that a lot. I know I mentioned that a lot, people looking at us funny for giggling about something that probably really isn't funny or that some people just don't get. But some of these memes are great. Colleagues and I have shared a bunch of them on Facebook, especially, and I know Instagram has a whole bunch of them too. Once in a while, I'll get one from a non-first responder friend that gets it, and they send it along and say, hey, I thought of you when I saw this, which may or may not be a good thing. I sometimes wonder after chuckling a bit at what it is and think, well, what does this person think of me? I just, ooh, I don't know if this is a good thing, a bad thing. Should I be concerned? Should they be concerned (laughs) having me for a friend? I have no idea. But one of my favorite ones is that I actually saw recently and it, it made me laugh because I'll be going on vacation shortly. It's Dracula sitting on the beach with a, an umbrella drink. And you know what the umbrella drink is. It's probably type A negative. But wording on it says, night shift workers on vacation be like. And I know talking about it and not having a visual right there is kind of difficult if you're just listening to this. But look look up Dracula on the beach. And it made me laugh because I know I'm as pale as milk. And we've been called Dracula working night shift, graveyard shift, whatever you want to call it. Another one that... I kind of get a kick out of that made me laugh when I first read it. And then when I think about it a little more, it's kind of like, oh, it's a Minions meme. And it says, never ask Google for medical advice. I've gone from a mild headache to clinically dead in three clicks. More and more patients and their families are looking up stuff, not only medical information, but advice online. And there are good points to this and not so good points to this. Yes, it's a good idea as a patient to be an informed participant in your care, or if you're a minor or incapacitated in any way, it's something out there for families to kind of get some sort of an idea about what's going on. 
But you really have to be careful about where you get your information. You really should trust your doctors and, you know, trust the people that are taking care of you first and foremost and ask if they have any suggestions as to is there a foundation for this problem or disease or website that's reputable that I'll get good information from because you have to be careful where you get your information. I mean, the, those pesky third-party advertisers are out there waiting for you. You think it's creepy talking about or searching a specific object? I, I don't know, a bowling ball or men's underwear or whatever. And every ad and pop-up later on shows you bowling balls. Why did I say bowling balls and men's underwear? Oh, good God. Anyway, I just came off a night shift, so please forgive me. And if you chuckle at my expense, please do. It makes me happy thinking I made you happy. But th those are just two weird examples. Or camping equipment or any anything that you might look up. Bug spray. I don't know. You'll be on your phone or someone in your family will be on their computer and uh, an ad will pop up. Oh, hey, if you're looking for this, maybe you should try this. So just imagine if you're looking up a symptom or a preliminary diagnosis, and you start being inundated with ads for medications, treatment centers, all of this stuff, you're concerned and maybe a little bit upset and worried anyway. That's what these people want you to do. They want you to click on all of these things and send them money or inquire about. It's just, it's, it's just not cool. And you have to be really, really careful. USA Today article published in January of 2013 and authored by Kim Painter, mentioned at that time about 35% of people investigated their symptoms online. And about five years later, in a Consumer Reports article written by Catherine Roberts, which was published in May of 2018, that number of people that searched the internet for medical information rose up to 65%. So that's 30% in five years. I was looking for something a little bit more recent, but I, I couldn't find anything specific to tell you about. But, you know, I'll bet my last stale jelly donut hole that that number has gone up even further. And I'm not the only nurse who's been asked by a patient's family why such and such medication is being used and why it's not being used. Or because I looked it up on Google or WebMD or whatever. And this is my favorite part as a nurse, as someone who went to school and studied and put in literal blood, sweat, and tears to learn about this stuff, to take care of the patient to the best of my ability, people will say, well, I don't think that's what you're supposed to be doing. I think you're supposed to be doing this. And why isn't anybody doing this? And what about this medication? I read that this medication is what should be used. Why? Are you? Oh, uh, we, we, we love that. Such confidence. And, you know, rather than ask when Google started handing out medical degrees and being spoken to by management after a complaint's been filed, we mentioned the patient's concerns to the doctor, the real one, the, the one that we work with that's f helping us with this plan of care. And there's nothing more satisfying than being privy to the conversation between the doctor and the civilian regarding a self-diagnosis. Sure, some things can be validated and agreed upon, but others, not so much. So word of advice, be open with your medical professionals. Be smart about what you read and where you read it. And please, please be careful where you share information. All joking aside, there are people out there that don't give a single damn about your questions or your concerns and can end up causing you more harm than good. Medical personnel take an oath to do no harm. That's part of the Hippocratic Oath that for doctors, they have their thing to do no harm. And even nurses, we have to basically promise we're not going to kill you and mean it. And we do. We, we're, we don't want you to suffer any more than 
you think you may, or put your family members in danger. Certainly not where, where I work, not your beautiful babies. We want to do everything that's right for them in the time that they need it. And you don't really want us going into the bedroom, shutting the door and screaming because you're being difficult or, you know, someone's just at every turn getting in the way of you being able to do your job and do it well. And yes, we can go in the bedroom and swear and, you know, grumble and complain, but later on we're going to make fun of you. I won't mention names, but these things have happened to me and my coworkers. And it, it's maddening and frustrating when it happens. And then you just kind of laugh about it and, again, see the humor in it. And it's not funny if somebody gets hurt. So please be careful. Please know your sources. Please trust your nurses and doctors because that's why we're there. We've studied what we've studied so we can take care of you and your family so you can relax and heal so you can get better. That's all. Not for accolades. Not for, hey, click on this and we'll send you a bonus, I don't know, ice pack. I, I have no idea. We just want the best for you. That being said, I'm going to take a nap and then I'm going to go away on vacation, sit on a beach like Dracula with his little A-negative umbrella drink and enjoy myself. So take care of yourself. Be careful what information you get from outside sources, folks. Any questions, concerns, comments? Have any funny memes to share? Any stories about Google University doctors? Love to hear about it. OvernightObservations.com or shoot me an email. OvernightObservations at gmail.com. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Stay aware. I'll see you on the flip side. Ciao. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. If you've laughed a little or a lot and learned something in the process, I've done my job. For more respectfully irreverent humor and the scientific proof that it's actually good for you, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget that a little bit of levity goes a long way to leaving some of the darkness behind. The sun always rises. Greet it with a grin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.